This is the Talk of the Town. From Morgantown to Clarksburg, if it's happening, we're talking about it. Call the show toll-free at 1-800-765-8255. Now, here is your host for the Talk of the Town, Dave Wilson. Good morning. Back with you on a Wednesday. Hope your week is going okay. Hope you've got your Christmas shopping finished. Some of us do not. I won't name any names. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK-304 is the text line. Big thanks to uh, Kyle Wiggs and Joe Nelson stepping up yesterday as I was on assignments, if you will, uh, with uh, Marshall's bowl game, basketball game on uh, Monday. That took me away yesterday. So uh, glad to be back, and we have a lot to jump into later. Bottom of the hour, we'll be joined by current Montague County prosecutor and soon-to-be uh, Montague County Circuit Court Judge Perry Jo DeChristopher will join us. She was appointed by Governor Justice yesterday to fill the vacant seat on the bench in the 17th Circuit as Judge Philip Gajot is retiring. He'll wrap it up at the end of the year. And uh, we'll talk to Perry Jo DeChristopher, bottom of the hour. A few minutes from now, Jason Keeling will join me with the American Red Cross. They have a big blood drive going on today in Morgantown. They were in Clarksburg yesterday, so we'll talk to Jason about that and get you the details. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number 304-TALK-304 is the text line. Morgantown City Council met last night, and council never won to disappoint. They never ceased to amaze me. And we'll dive into a couple of specific topics here, but the overarching idea that has been irritating me, and I've kind of just beat around the bush a little bit with this but it needs to be said this council and city council in general the city in general lacks leadership and has for some time that is clear to me it's not coming from the city manager it is not coming from the mayor and while the city charter dictates that the mayor is no more important or the mayor's vote carries no more weight the mayor's opinion carries no more weight than any other member of council the mayor's vote is one of seven the mayor's job is to run the meetings chair the city council meetings run them effectively and efficiently and even though the title is in large part ceremonial you cut the ribbons on things. You show up. You're the spokesperson for council by default because you are the mayor. Even with that ceremonial title, you're the leader. It's a leadership position. And it is one that I believe Mayor Jenny Celine has failed at during her time in that role. Deputy Mayor Danielle Trumbull has tried to provide some of that sorely needed leadership. Show a willingness to hear at least hear all sides. And as far as I can observe, wants to do her due diligence before taking action on items before council. And she's not the only one. There are other members of council that have made it very clear they will at least put in the work to read an ordinance that comes before them. Or, or before taking a vote, would actually like to read the contract they're voting on. 
She and the newer members have demonstrated they're not just going to rubber stamp an initiative that comes before them because somebody said so. They'd like to have all the information available. And that's commendable. When that is the case, we can actually have discussions about policy. We can actually have policy disagreement because we're not concerned or not asking questions about, well, do you even know what this is about? Do you even, have you even read the lease agreement? Have you read the purchase agreement? Have you read the ordinance? Do you see what this can do? We don't have to have those types of discussions. We can actually have a policy discussion. That's how it's supposed to work. And we may not agree at the end of the day, and that's fine. I might disagree with your policy. That's okay. That's okay as long as I trust that you are putting in the effort, you understand the ramifications of the decision, and you have some actual foundational data, foundational information to stand on. And so oftentimes over the last five to eight years, that's not been the case. On the agenda last night was the city manager's new contract. Remember that controversy earlier this summer when there was question about or were questions raised about, well, the city manager is supposed to be living in Morgantown. Is he? Still has a house in Bridgeport. All of his information says Bridgeport. Kim Hall says, yeah, I've got an apartment in Morgantown. So city council discussed it and agreed that they would spell this out very clearly in the city manager's contract, and that would be updated. Okay. Okay. Contract is on the agenda last night, but members of council only received a copy of it Monday afternoon. And it included changes they were not aware of. Included in those changes, Hall's requested additional time off instead of a pay increase. Okay. The proposed contract includes the same $150,000 base salary as when he was hired. But it also included uh, provisions to provide paid time off at an accrual, accrual rate equal to that of a 15-year city employee. Deputy Mayor Danielle Trumbull noted the council received the contract Monday afternoon with no guidance. Was it Monday afternoon or Tuesday afternoon? I can't tell by the way the story was written. Uh, basically received it last minute with no guidance on how it differs from the existing agreement. That led to this exchange between Deputy Mayor Trumbull and City Attorney Ryan Simonton. I'm going to play this in its entirety so all the context is there. It's about two minutes. This is from last night's meeting. I feel like this is something that we as a council, <laughs> I just got this yesterday afternoon. I haven't even had 36 hours to look at this, and I did ask you for the old contract and the changes that had been made and I feel like if this was a change that we were going to be asked to look at vote on approve or not approve it should have been 
spelled out. I asked you, so you sent me a copy of the contract, but I think that was just to me. I'm, have you seen the red line of the contracts and things that I, I don't think it's fair to vote on this right now before everyone has a chance to digest this? Because the only thing that was provided in our packet was the proposed contract. It didn't have a copy of the old contract, which we all did have a copy of. But you also sent me a red line that said, here are the exact changes that are being made, which I don't think was given to everyone. Uh, these, uh, these contract terms are negotiated by the city council and city manager. I prepared them at the direction of city council. I'm happy to provide you materials at, at any time that you would like, and you're not required to, to vote on anything. But, but this is prepared at the direction of council. Um, I guess I'm confused about that. When you say at the direction of council, who was that? Did we ever talk about this? I never talked about this. We, we said that a residency requirement had to be added. We did not discuss any other terms or changes. Mm. All right. So the city attorney in his defense, says, look, I prepared the contract. I was instructed to prepare according to city council. And Deputy Mayor Trumbull says, we never talked about it, so who talked about it? Well, that question kind of went unanswered last night, didn't it? Who negotiated the contract on behalf of council? Was it the mayor? Was Mayor Celine the one who okayed the paid time off provision? Who authorized whomever it was when did council authorize a member of council or the mayor or anyone else to negotiate on behalf of city council? Why was the contract not brought to city council in executive session? And they would have been well within their rights to do so. Brought to, within, brought to them in executive session for them to review. To avoid the public, <laughs> to avoid this public display. Now it's out there. Now it's out there. I'm not a lawyer, but I'm pretty certain they could have done this in executive session, or at least done a preliminary review of the contract and discussed it or even negotiated the terms in executive session before bringing it out for a public question. It goes back to leadership. It's an incompetence at the leadership position. That's where it boils down to. Need another example? Last night's meeting. Council also tried to set policy for meetings moving forward. Remember, don't want to follow Robert's rules of order. We're going to put our own policies in place. Okay. I've got the uh, policies here. It's, I don't, I don't know, 10 pages long worth of policy for meetings. There was confusion on that. Again, not having an opportunity to review all of it, not having an opportunity to go through all of it, Deputy Mayor Trumbull made a motion to table because there were a couple of members absent last night, which happens. It's the holiday, it's the holiday season after all. And I think we've learned through Robert's Rules of Order, once there's a motion, you, you have to address the motion. Discussion stops. It's over. Group didn't care. They went on discussing the policy as if she hadn't made any motion to table. Deputy Mayor Trumbull tried to point that out. Is it so we're already out of order. We're already out of order. <laughs> um, 
I had two other minor changes that could be added <laughs> in for next time if we could discuss before we table. Yes. <laughs> so she points out they're out of order, and the mayor doesn't care. Quite frankly, I took that response to be quite sarcastic. Oh, well, all right, we're out of order. I've got some things I want to discuss anyway. No leadership. No leadership coming from Mayor Jenny Celine. No regard for policy or procedure. A lack of respect for how it's supposed to be run. And it starts with the mayor. It breeds mistrust in the public. That's why there's such pushback every time they attempt to do anything. If council can't even run its own meetings, why should anyone believe it can provide efficient or effective oversight of MUP? Why would you believe they're going to negotiate in good faith with firefighters and police officers when it comes to the personnel policies? Why would an outlying area want to become part of the city of Morgantown when this is the leadership coming out of City Hall? It starts at the top. Now, kudos to Deputy Mayor Trumbull and the other members of city council who have pumped the brakes on these initiatives and said, hey, we need time to read this stuff. We need some due diligence. We need more information here. And not just rubber stamping these and sending them through and leaving us to figure out what exactly just happened. Kudos to them for trying to provide some of that leadership that is sorely lacking. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number, 304-TALK-304 is the text line. American Red Cross has a major blood drive going on in Morgantown today. We'll tell you about it next. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. Today, in Morgantown, the American Red Cross is holding a major blood drive this time of year. Blood supply is always short, or donations are in uh, great demand. They were in Clarksburg yesterday. They'll be at the Hotel Morgan today. Jason Keeling is American Red Cross Central Appalachian Executive Director. He joins us on Talk of the Town this morning. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, Dave and WAJR listeners. Hey, thanks for taking some time. What do you have going on in Morgantown today? Yes, yeah, so just to reiterate, as you were saying, we have our Gift of Life blood drive today beginning at 11 a.m. at Hotel Morgan downtown, and we welcome listeners to come out. You know, of course, we think about gifts during this time of year in terms of physical presence, but uh, this present in terms of a, a blood donation is another way to, you know, to give back to, to members of your local community. You were in uh, Clarksburg yesterday. How did the uh, blood drive go there? It went very well. Um, that was our third annual effort in the Harrison County community through this Gift of Life initiative. And this year will be the first time in Montegalia County. Um, of course, we have drives regularly throughout the year, but uh, just trying to call special attention to this time of year. And again, um, a blood uh, donation as truly a gift uh, during a, a season in which that's what you know we're thinking about. So uh, why is it when we talk about this every year about this time of year, Jason, why is it that donations are in short supply and uh, donations are so um, so important this time of year? 
Well, naturally, people get busy, right, with the holidays. Um, and then, actually, many people start getting ill themselves, and so they're not able to donate. Schools uh, you know, are out for periods of time, and so that's what, one reason that we, we see a dip, and, and that's why you hear folks like me getting on the radio to <laughs> – to remind people that uh, you know they can um, help by uh, you know giving uh, that gift of life um, and through a blood donation. Maybe it's the first time they've ever donated. Maybe it's been a while. Um, but we also have a, a lot of ways to make that an easier process by signing up um, at RedCrossBlood.org, calling one eight hundred Red Cross, um, or downloading the Red Cross Blood Donor app. So that's when you to schedule ahead of time. We do take walk-ins. Um, it's always appreciated to schedule, but again, we do take walk-ins, and from 11 a.m. today to 5 p.m., we'll be there at Hotel Morgan. It's a great location for us to have a blood drive. We really appreciate the hotel as a partner, and um, it's just really encouraging to see members of the community come out. Again, that's 11 to 5 down at Hotel Morgan today uh, in Morgantown. Uh, generally speaking, Jason, I know I'm putting you on the spot here, who can donate? Who's eligible, generally speaking? Well, basically, it really comes down to just um, uh, healthy individuals who are 16 years of age or older. And we do have a variety of health history questions that are asked to make sure that it's safe, you know, for the person donating blood and also for the, the recipients of the blood. And so there's a whole process there. Admittedly, it's a little more uh, involved than what I'd get into in an interview, but, uh, you know, that's why we have that process in place. Talking to Jason Keeling, American Red Cross Central Appalachia Executive Director, Blood Drive in Morgantown down at the Hotel Morgan today, 11 to 5. And for those who might be worried, Jason, it's actually not all that bad and uh you get a little snack at the end so nothing to worry about if you're a little apprehensive i get it but really there's nothing to worry about is there definitely we've got trained phlebotomists um it's really just a simple pen prick and i'm always impressed every time that i donate plus we do have a nice long sleeve um t-shirts uh while supplies last for those who donate and um so, yeah, we just encourage folks to consider coming out. And the process itself takes roughly an hour from the time walking in to, to leaving. Again, the blood drive today, downtown Morgantown Hotel Morgan, 11 to 5. Um, you can uh, download the app and uh, give the website again, Jason. Where can folks go to schedule a time? And, of course, like you said, they can. Uh, you will take walk-ins. Sure, or they can go to redcrossblood.org, 1-800-RED-CROSS, or like you said, uh, download the Red Cross Blood Donor app. Jason, I hope it is a busy day down at the Hotel Morgan for you all, and uh, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, everything in between. Thanks so much, and same to you. Appreciate it. Uh, Again, Jason Keeling, American Red Cross Central Appalachia Executive Director, Blood Drive going on at the Hotel Morgan today from 11 to 5. Coming up. After the news, we'll talk to Montague County prosecutor, soon to be a Circuit Court Judge Perry Joe DeChristopher. Governor Justice appointed her to serve as uh, serve on the bench with uh, Judge Philip Cajot, announcing a little bit earlier this year that he will retire at the end of the year. Uh, Perry Joe DeChristopher will move from prosecutor to judge. We'll talk to her about that move coming up. On the other side of the news break, 800-765-TALK is the phone number. 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. I do have a handful of texts, to say the least. We'll get to those a little bit later on this hour. 800-765-TALK is the phone number. 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. In fact, I just got a handful more. Some of you must be listening in delay.
Right now it's 9.30. Time to get a news update. Let's check in with the Metro News Radio Network. Find out what's happening this hour all across the great state of West Virginia. Join the conversation at 1-800-765-8255. This is the Talk of the Town. Yesterday, Governor Justice announced that he was appointing Montague County Prosecutor Perry Joe DeChristopher to serve the 17th Judicial Court Circuit as the judge in that circuit. Uh, she'll succeed Judge Philip Gajot, who is retiring at the end of the year. And joining us now on Talk of the Town is Perry Joe DeChristopher. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, congratulations, I guess, are in order. Thank you very much. So are you are you still prosecutor for, do I address you as prosecutor for a couple more days, or can I call you judge yet? No, I think it's fair to still call me prosecutor. Okay. Um, I think there's at least 20 days, and then there's some, you know, pomp and circumstance that has to take place. So how did you get the news that uh, the governor was appointing you uh, to the bench? Well, his general counsel called me yesterday morning to really give me warning that the judge was going, I mean, that the governor was going to issue a press release appointing me. So it was nice not to read the press release first. It was very considerate. When did you or when did it cross your mind that uh, being a judge and serving uh, in that role was something you were interested in? Well, the opportunity really presented itself with Judge Gujo's retirement. Um, because what happens in the state of West Virginia is that prosecuting attorneys are on the same election cycle as judges, Mm -hmm. except our elections are every four years and judges' elections are every eight years. And so if, in fact, I decided to pursue that through the election route, I would have to really choose between putting my name on the ballot again for prosecutor or putting my name on the ballot for judge. And so that would have been, I would say, even a more difficult decision than it was to put my name in to be appointed for the rest of Judge Gujo's term. Do you get into law, like, I'm trying to compare apples and oranges here, so just follow me for a second. We, I got into this industry with a with an ultimate goal in mind. Here's here's the level I want to reach. Here's Here's my dream job. Do you get into law with that mentality? Do you get in there with the idea that, that someday I want to become a judge or is it kind of something that evolves over time through experience you go okay maybe this is something i'm interested in here well i think it's been really clear during my career that i have ended up practicing the types of law that i never thought i would actually because at first when i first graduated law school i thought i would be a lawyer that remained behind a desk and did research And then the opportunity presented itself to be a prosecutor. And I thought, well, that was great, but I didn't really want to be a trial lawyer. And then the opportunity presented itself really here with Marsha Ashdown to to be her chief assistant. And I started doing murder trials. And so then I became a trial lawyer for really many, many years. And now the opportunity has presented itself to to be judge. And so I just kind of think, I, I think I've just gone in my legal career where I have been led. And really, I'm blessed to, that every one of those choices has worked out really well for me. Visiting with Perry Joe DeChristopher this morning, Montague County prosecutor has been appointed to uh, fill the vacancy in the 17th Circuit. That's 
Monongalia County. Uh, she'll uh, succeed Judge Philip Gajot, who's retiring at the end of the year. Who, who's been your, your legal mentor? Who's the person you've looked up to throughout your career? It couldn't be anyone other than Marsha Ashdown. I mean, I was here for um, almost 20 years with her. She taught me things that are important, things that are not important. Um, she taught me how to be tough when you need to be and be compassionate or reasonable um, when the situation presents itself. She was the smartest person that I think I've ever worked with. You know, I- I've watched several trials, well, covered several trials. I almost said I was in there watching like I was in there for entertainment, but covered several trials. And, and I've seen Marsha at work. I've seen you at work. You're all, you've always been great to work with. And then I see you cross-examine a witness and then I go, oh my, <laughs> <laughs> this is the same person I was just talking to a little while ago. Wow. Where, where does that come? Is that something that you are born with or is it a learned trait uh, being a prosecutor or any trial lawyer for that matter? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. I think it takes a lot of work to be a good trial lawyer. Um, sometimes you don't really get the opportunity to cross-examine folks in a big trial. I've actually had that opportunity in lots of trials. Defendants sometimes choose to take the witness stand maybe at their own peril. Um, but I, I think it's a skill that you can hone but it takes a lot of practice, and it takes to, it really. You have to be a really good listener, I think, to be good in a trial. And and sometimes people think it's more about what you say, but it's more about what you hear and and how you use what people say. I don't know if this is a this is a fair question because I'm asking you to predict the future here. But but what kind of a judge? How do you see yourself on the bench? Hmm. Well, I think. I will definitely be a very hardworking judge. I mean, all successful prosecutors are hard workers. It doesn't come just by chance. And so I will be a hardworking judge, a judge that's prepared when I walk into the courtroom, um, a judge that certainly wants to hear every side and every, every view that's in the courtroom with me before decisions are made. But, but I also think that as far as trials, you know, when a ju- judge has to make a decision in trials, that are quick decisions, um, and I think I'm pretty equipped to do that in in a trial situation as well. Do you remember your first experience uh, as an attorney going in front of a judge, first time you had to address the court? What was that like? I remember my very first felony jury trial, and I think that was probably in circuit. It was in circuit court in Harrison County, and I remember having dreams the night before that I was going to stand up and speak and no words were going to come out. And so I was pretty proud of myself to just be able to stand and speak. And I couldn't, I couldn't even imagine what I was saying, but I just to stand and speak was a pretty good accomplishment for me back in those days. (laughs) Barry Joe DeChristopher, Montague County prosecutor uh, has been appointed to serve as circuit court judge. I can only imagine uh, if my mother had been the judge, that the kind of weight that would also carry it home. By the way, you know, when I was acting up, hey, I'm the judge. I'll put you in jail. I can just, I don't, not that you would do that, but I'm just saying, it, there, there's an extra level there that uh, when uh, mom's the judge, you get, you got to behave at home. Well, you know what? I have a 15 year old and a 12 year old, <laughs> and I think it's much more difficult to have your mom cross examine you as the prosecutor at home. <laughs> I never thought about that. <laughs> Applying those skills at home. Wow. Yes, they 
they don't get away with much. <laughs> I bet. Well, there's eyes and ears all over town. There's. I grew up in a small town, and Granddad was the sheriff, and I had an uncle who was a deputy, and the judges all. I understand. I understand how that goes. Eyes and ears all over town. Then you get the cross examination later. Yes, sir. Oh man, I feel bad for him a little bit. I feel oh, a little come sorry. Come on, come on! <laughs> don't feel too bad for him. <laughs> well, congratulations on the appointment to the bench, and uh, congratulations. It's been a, what, almost, I don't want to date you at all, but what, 30 years, 30-year career you know, prosecuting? Almost. I I came back to Morgantown. I was in Harrison County from 94 to the beginning of 98. I came to Morgantown in February of 98. So this wow. is, it's you know, it's bittersweet to leave to leave this prosecutor's office behind. It's very bittersweet. It's folks that I love and care about in a world that, you know, I, I've been in for a long time. Uh, before I let you go, how does, who succeeds you now as, as prosecutors? Is there somebody appointed? How does that uh, process work? So the county commission will be appointing a successor to my office or to my seat. Um, they have a 30 days from the vacancy. I certainly will get that squared away before that date. Um, but they will be the, the folks appointing that. The statute requires them to appoint someone from the Democratic Party since I am a registered mm-hmm. Democrat. So call Tom Bloom. Got it. Okay. <laughs> bug, <laughs> bug Commissioner uh, President Bloom. Hey, again, uh, congratulations on the appointment and uh, look forward to covering it. Well, I guess I don't know if I look forward to covering a case, but uh, I do look forward to observing the courtroom. How's that sound? Awesome. That would be awesome, <laughs> Dave. Barry, appreciate it so much. Again, congratulations. Uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Everything in between. Same to you. All right. Appreciate it. Perry Joe DeChristopher, Montague County Prosecutor, uh, now appointed to the bench in the 17th Circuit. Rest of the show is yours. 800-765-TALKS, the phone number 304-TALK-304, the text line. 943, back in a moment. Now back to the talk of the town. Text line is open, 304-TALK-304. Phone line is open as well, 800-765-TALK, 800-765-8255, 800-765-TALK, if you want to weigh in. Open the show talking about uh, Morgantown City Council last night. And look, it's just a glaring example. Last night's meeting, it, it quite frankly, every other Tuesday when they meet, you have glaring examples of the just total lack of leadership coming from the mayor in particular, Mayor Jenny Saline. The meetings are not run efficiently. They don't follow any guidelines as it is now. Who cares if they throw out Robert's Rules of Order? They're not following them, following them as it is. And yes, I would, and, and we will, because I've got time the next two weeks. If there's anything I have the next two weeks, it is time. And we will get into the particulars of the city manager's contract and whether or not it was even a good idea to include an increase in paid time off when you're in the middle of a dispute of a lawsuit with your firefighters and police officers over personnel policy. We cannot even get that far with the discussion because of the lack of it's, it's just incompetence, I think. I said a while ago, well, remember Haymaker Forrest? I said it was either ignorance or arrogance or incompetence or corruption. I think it's just incompetence. It starts at the top. 
You want to complain about communication with other entities? There's not even communication among city council. Why are council members only receiving a copy of a contract they're going to vote on the day before the meeting with no guidance on the new provisions or what's been deleted or what has changed? Why? It's not hard. It doesn't have to be hard. 304-TALK, 304 is the text line. Dave, here we go again with Council Circus. Firefighters asked for a pay raise. Their pay was cut. Firefighters asked for more time off. It was cut. Not for Mr. Halls. The mayor said fair accruals. I cannot say that. Don't hold it against me. Across the board, it seems that Halls wants more time off. He gets it after only two years on the job. Oh, and Simonson unprepared, as usual, is dead wrong about firefighter or police pension credit. Dave, municipal elections should be only should only be allowed on statewide elections. Dave, this should make for a great city employee Christmas party today. It's from 11 to 2. Hall says excited to spend time with employees. Ha! Take from us and give to himself. Pathetic, says the texter. <laughs> 304 Talk 304 is the text line. Dave, if Morgantown City Council would just follow the guidelines, that is the charter, that have more time to focus on business that can actually make a difference in turning our city around. Jenny Celine causes trouble for whatever she touches, says the texter. 304 Talk 304. Dave, maybe Jenny will continue to try and discuss a tabled event at today's Christmas luncheon. A luncheon that no fireman, police officer, or city garage employee will attend. That in itself should tell the city government exactly how their employees feel about them. I'm sure Ryan Simonson will be bringing the caviar he can afford it. <laughs> today's, today's the city employee luncheon, Christmas luncheon. <laughs> like, like I said, we will get into the specifics, and there are some things in the, the city council policies for meetings that were pointed out to me. We don't have time today. We'll get into that as well. Like I said, I do have time over the next two weeks. Time is something we have uh, during the holidays here, at least on this show, because there's not much else going on. But we can't even get into the actual policy discussion. And again, I will reiterate, kudos to those members of council, and I will single out Deputy Mayor Trumbull for trying to, A, provide some of that leadership and guidance that has been missing, and B attempting to conduct their due diligence before taking a vote on some of these initiatives. I applaud that. Now, we can disagree on policy. That is fine. And I'm okay with disagreeing on policy. And we probably will. But we can have that discussion. We can even have a disagreement. We could have agreement, for that matter, if the... If you have the information, you know what you're voting on, and you know what you're doing. And that's been lacking. Was this an effort just to get the contract through without as, with as few questions as possible? I don't know what the motivation was. I don't know if it's being unprepared. I don't know if there is some grand conspiracy, although I tend to doubt that. But enough is enough. It's every single time they meet, and it's the mayor's responsibility. 
So why would you trust that this council with this leadership can provide any oversight to any other entity? MUB in particular has been the one we've talked about most recently. When it can't even run its own meetings, there's not even communication from council member to council member. 953, back in a moment. We're talking about your town. Now back to the talk of the town. Uh, just trying to read through. I got a screenshot of an email here. Uh, bu- 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 bu. <laughs> uh, 304 talk. 304 is the text line. Only. Uh, Dave, does it matter if it's corruption or incompetence? The corrupt take advantage of the incompetent. Ah, good point. Did you know Metro News has an app? Yes, we can finally say there's an app for that. Um, It is now available. You can go to the Apple Store or Google Play, whichever you own. If you're an Apple guy or girl, or if you're an Android user, we won't hold that against you. But uh, go to Google Play Store or go to the Apple App Store. Search WV Metro News. You can download the Metro News app. You can watch and listen to Talkline, Sportsline, Hotline. Uh, the Three Guys podcast is there. Archive versions of the show. And, of course, all of the statewide news you've come to expect from Metro News is available. You can also get push notifications uh, for the most important and breaking news stories statewide. Go download the app. I've already got it on my phone. And you know what? I'm halfway impressed by it. Nice job, Patrick. Well done. Uh, Again, download that at the App Store. We'll be back tomorrow morning, 9.06. Do it all again. Hoppy Kirchival is coming up next. Metro News Talk Line special show on Friday headed into the Christmas weekend. Have a great day. Talk to you tomorrow. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.